0: Your host for La
1: Crosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to, what day is today? Wednesday, Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. A uh, good time to do that is now. And then uh, at the bottom half of the hour, we can take calls. Uh, we're going to have Megan Beller. She's what you call an infection preventionist. She works at Gunderson Health System here in La Crosse. We're going to do a little bit of where we're at with COVID uh, because it seems to me that it's we're all done. It's all done. It's gone. And is it? <laughs> Obviously, it's been two years. We're at the, we're at the, about the two year anniversary of this thing. So we're going to celebrate the ending of COVID two years later. Um, and you know some of the some of the questions that surround that. So if you have questions, uh, if you send those to me now, it'd be great because then I can kind of sort them. I have fifty bullet points to ask her. We'll never get to all of them. But just the idea that, uh, you know, we're, we're lifting mask mandates and uh, like it had to happen at some time. So why did it happen now? But if you still have questions about COVID, 608 785 7914 is the talk and text line. Um, I saw uh, what was interesting a couple of things. So there's, um, Brad saw this online, essentially a, petition to uh, if you want to sign this petition to disallow the city from buying the hotel that they already bought that, that's going to help the homeless uh, I saw that online I saw another thing where it was just uh, they, with voting less than a month away here for, for essentially school board and and the county board every county board seat right I saw somebody put out a cheat sheet. Just like here's who to vote for. Don't do any of your research, but here, uh, if you're if you're uh, affiliated with uh, a certain leaning one way or the other, here's who you vote for. It was pretty interesting. Nonpartisan election, and we have groups just providing cheat sheet cheat sheets for people. Um, not sure how I feel about that. Actually, I do know how I feel about that. I don't. I dislike it. Uh, if you're trying to call here, let's see. Uh, Eric, Eric's calling. Eric, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, that's
0: kind of what I saw. Tony Evers on the radio today and uh, TV day, and he said he wants the federal government to stop their federal gas tax until the end of the year for an undetermined time. Anyway, he forgot to say about Wisconsin's tax, as tax gas tax was thirty first that's Oh, well. He conveniently forgot that, so that's all that matters now. Okay. Come on.
1: Okay, so you're disagreeing with with him asking about that?
0: Well, I think I think it's fair. as fair. If he wants a federal gas tax at thirteen cents, something like that, and Wisconsin tax is three five cents a gallon. Why doesn't he want to stop Wisconsin's gas tax to help the people?
1: Thank you very much, Rick. Okay. Well, first of all, I don't know if he didn't. I don't know if he doesn't uh, want to do that. Also, the legislature is all done for the year. It's uh, March 9th. Legislature wrapped up yesterday, so I think if they wanted to lift Wisconsin's gas tax, could Governor Evers call into uh, call a special session to do that? I don't know how. I don't know. This is where the civics for me doesn't work. Uh, Governor Evers calls a special session. And what do what does the GOP legislature do for special sessions? Uh, there's a $3.9 billion state surplus. Governor Evers offered to give $150 checks back to everybody and on top of millions of dollars to, to school funding and other things. Uh, the state legislature, controlled by Republicans, gaveled in and out of that. I think the Senate took 10 seconds. Uh, they didn't even debate it. They didn't talk about it. We have a $3.9 billion surplus. So it would take a state legislature call going into special session, perhaps, uh, to get rid of a gas tax in Wisconsin. And that would be a win for the governor to do that, sounds like because it sounds like you'd be thrilled if, if that happened. Also, maybe they don't want to do that because... It would put Wisconsin in such a bind financially, although $3.9 billion, where do you where do you want to balance that out? So, man, we are worried about gasoline. It's the first time we've had social media and the gas prices went up, uh, you know, two years ago or so. What was it about? Probably about, was it two years ago? It's hard to tell. At one point, gas was 99 cents a gallon, and Donald Trump was on Fox News saying that we needed to get gas prices higher because the workers... That work at all the uh, refineries and whatnot are are really struggling right now because they're not going to get paid, uh, you know. So we can't have it both ways. So now gas is three four oh nine. I think it was four oh nine when I drove by a gallon today, and uh, the, all those workers I'm sure got big pay raises, right? All the workers at all the refineries must get pay raises when gas prices go up. I asked Ron Kind about this yesterday. As a politician does, he kind of walked around it a little bit, but he also, he also you know, said, yeah, it's, it's not right. Because the chevrons of the world, these, these, the, the groups, the corporations that control the oil are making record profits. So how do they make record profits and also keep raising gas prices? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. So what do we do about it? Stop driving. That's the only alternative. We stop driving. Everybody invest in a horse. We're we'll all horseback. And uh, it was funny too, Joe Biden said the other day, we need to get people back to the offices. It's a great great thing to say. Let's get everyone driving back on the roads, uh, driving back into offices that they don't want to be at when they've been working remotely just fine for two years. All right, we're going to have Megan Meller from Gunderson Health System on. Shoot me a text if you have questions on COVID or just anything health-related, and I'll see if I want to ask it because sometimes the texts are in all caps with multiple exclamation points. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608 785 7914 is the text line. You can call me after 535, but if you got a text, that's the number to do it. Megan Miller, she's an infection preventionist at Gunderson Health System here in Lacrosse. Uh, double master's degree, Megan. That, that sounds super fun, by the way.
2: Oh, it was super fun. Super <laughs> exhausting, too.
1: Right. Um, all right, well, I, I wanted to have you on because it sounds, well, it doesn't sound like we're, we're, we're coming out of the pandemic and maybe we become an endemic and we can get into that in a minute. Um, somebody just called my show and said, ah, it's an election year. We got to lift the mask mandates because it doesn't It doesn't look good politically. And I, I, I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Well, what, what is a good time to, we have to come out of the, the, the thing eventually, what is the reason now that we're seeing some of these, uh, uh, and w- we talk about mass mandates we haven't had a mass mandate here for ever we had it for a month uh individual stores could have mandates but what is can you give me a, some reasons as to why this is getting stuff like this is getting relaxed a little bit
2: you really touched on it is that you know we can't live like this forever you know at some point we have to learn to live with covid and that's really what's happening now and just looking at the fact that vaccination programs are pretty strong across the whole entire country and that many people have already been infected so you have this strong immunity where people now we like we know that if you get covid you're not probably going to get as sick, and if you weren't vaccinated or previously infected and so that's really what it is it's kind of like how do we get how do we start getting back to normal now because it's been two years
1: yeah and omicron had something to do with this so we had we had well how many variants have we had and the the latest one was omicron where it it was really contagious, but it seemed really weak. So, did, did that kind of hurt and help us?
2: You know, it, it, I think it really helped us propel us in the right direction towards this conversation that we're having now of, you know, getting away from masking, getting away, you know, kind of getting back to normal. And, you know, that's what we expected with these variants. You know, we've had a lot of variants, and, you know, each one of them has gotten, you know, more infectious, so they infect more people, but we've seen them overall tend to, symptoms in general are more mild. The problem with Omicron was that so many people got infected within a, such a short period of time that those who weren't vaccinated or who might have, who, who had underlying health conditions were overwhelming healthcare systems. You know, it was just uh, a surge in hospitalizations. And so that was kind of a con to Omicron. But now coming out of it, it ended just as fast as it began. And it's really allowed us to have this new fresh take on, okay, we've all been infected somehow or vaccinated
1: what's next Yeah and is that the big reason I mean there's just a, the, that Omicron went through a lot of people got infected I think 60 percent of Wisconsin has at least two or has two doses of the vaccine we're down booster shot is like 32% but we're at 60% of all the all of Wisconsin getting getting vaccinated so on top of that and I don't know what the percentage of people that additionally that have been uh, exposed and, and would be immune to the virus. But that that's it. That's the reason. Like, is there any other reasons or is that the reason? Aside from also we've been two years, we've learned how to combat COVID a little bit, right?
2: No, absolutely. And even within our department, it's like, you know, at some point we have to learn to live with it. You know, we learn to live with influenza. You know, this is, you know, kind of coming on to be, to be very similar. And so that's really what it is. It's looking at, you know, how we've adapted. You know, we're also, there's more, antivirals that are coming out you know drug you know treatments are being developed we have better treatments in the hospital we're much better equipped now to deal with infections both mild and severe than we we were two years ago and that's putting us in a really great spot really great spot to you know ease up on a lot of these public health restrictions.
1: Uh, We're speaking with Megan Miller she's an infection preventionist at Gunderson Health System. How many times do you just trip over trying to say that when you tell people that's what you are?
2: (laughs) Uh, More than I care to admit.
1: (laughs) Um, what, uh, so COVID is still obviously going to be a thing. Is it to the point, I, I guess people are starting to talk about this is instead of a pandemic, it's going to be an endemic. Can you just kind of explain what an endemic is?
2: So endemic means that you get usually pockets of infections that happen across the world. You know, you can usually predict when it happens. Um, I think what we're more likely to see too with COVID is that we call it, so Epidemic. It's a lot of science jargon, but it essentially describes the patterns of how these infections move around. For example, influenza, every winter we have an epidemic because it's kind of a burst of cases. But your common cold, those are endemic. They're always here. They're always going to kind of, you know, pester us. Um, COVID is probably going to be a combination of those, but that basically means that, you know, that we've adjusted, that our immune systems are getting used to it. You know, we as a society are getting used to it. And it's no longer. Like this pandemic, where it's brand new. You know,
1: we don't have any tools in our toolkit. Um, is it still going to be really bad for, for I guess maybe older people and immune-compromised people? Is, will it always be bad there, or do we have? Are we in two years into this, and maybe as we go on, going to have better ways to fight it, or will people always have to be very cautious? You know, in those in those uh, risk categories, those people that are live live in that umbrella.
2: Yes, you know this is where we're still learning about COVID, you know, and as it evolves, as the variants evolve, you know, we'll, we'll evolve with it. I think there will always be some risk. I mean, we still see this with influenza every year. You know, we, we know now who's at high risk, you know, for getting very sick from influenza and who's not, and we know that the vaccines help with that. And the same is playing out with COVID-19 right now is, you know, we know which risk factors put you at higher risk, and we know it helps, and we have better treatments available on, you know, on hand to prevent that from happening as well. So there's always going to be some people who are going to be at risk for severe illness with COVID-19. And this is, yeah, this is where, too, you know, masking, I hope, becomes more acceptable moving forward. So if people want to choose to wear masks during cold and flu season, then they're not, you know, they're not going to be given the stink eye. It's going to be much more of an accepted practice.
1: Yeah, I mean, in other countries, the, the mask is a thing during flu season. That's just what people did during flu, right? I mean, do, I should say, not even did.
2: Absolutely. It's very common in other countries, you know, to automatically wear a mask during these seasons. And I think we're moving in that direction, too, you know, where it's becoming where much more normalized to us, you know, if we were to see this in the, in the future.
1: It'll be great, too, if we have we continue to have people wear masks. It would be nice if some stores required them because the Twitter videos that I see of uh, angry people mad that they have to wear a mask uh you know that that never gets old megan so at least from a comedy standpoint i want to see people upset um, but who who do you think has it worse hospital workers uh dealing with covid or retail workers having to deal with people wa- needing to wear a mask in a store when we had those mandates
2: Oh, you know that's a hard one. You know, I, I almost have to say it's a tie.
1: It's a tie, yeah. Of course you would. I don't know. I think you you have an avenue there where you could say healthcare workers, but you know, never want to put down retail workers because they're all. I mean, you're all working through this this pandemic and now maybe endemic. Uh, with you know, I, I don't think you're getting a, a whole lot of like side benefits for it. You just, I think you're getting harassed a lot and way too much. Um, somebody somebody texted in and asks, uh, should we be stockpiling rapid tests? I think at some point. I think you can get rapid. I think I have a couple of free rapid tests I got from the. I think when from the federal government. I know Minnesota. I live in Minnesota, so they do some stuff too. But uh, should we be taking advantage of all the rapid tests that we can get our hands on and stockpiling them, and then uh, using them at will when whenever we? When would we use a rapid test?
2: So I caution against stockpiling because tests expire, and if they if they expire before you use them, they're not going to be as accurate. But definitely, I recommend keeping a couple on hand. One of the things we were seeing with COVID, because it can be so mild, is that sometimes your only symptom is a headache or a sore throat or a slightly runny nose. You know, we've seen this, you know, countless of times, and it's easy to write those symptoms off. But if you have a rapid test at home, it's really easy to kind of get, you know, to test and say, oh, okay, it's COVID or, oh, no, it's just the common cold. I can, you know, I don't have to worry about this. I can go on with my day. And I think you know we'll start to see that stick around. So don't stockpile, but you know it's definitely worth having a few a few on deck.
1: Yeah, check out check out the expiration date, and then if it's going to expire, you might as well just take it. Just right, you never absolutely. know. Right? It's going
2: to expire. Just go ahead and use it.
1: Well, I haven't had COVID yet. Is it what in? Um, I've I've been pretty. I feel like I I've been pretty exposed to people that are also. I'm not so much exposed to uh, a lot of people, but I'm you know I play volleyball every once in a while. Is it is it pretty pretty likely that I've had COVID and just never even knew it?
2: You know, it is very likely, and I think it comes back to to how mild some of these symptoms are. Um, I had a friend who you know just all they had was a slightly runny nose. You know, so it's like if this wasn't COVID, you wouldn't know. And so it's you know it's likely that you either were, had a very mild symptom and just wrote it off as allergies, which you know we're approaching allergy season or that you were just asymptomatic and didn't even know it.
1: Are are we to the point yet where I can, I can cough and sniffle in public and not just kind of be like, Ooh, maybe avoid that person. Are we like, when are we going to get there? I feel like we're not there yet.
2: No, I don't think we're there yet. And I think we still like, I had a cold the other week and it's like, Oh nope, got tested. You know, I, I don't have COVID. And I think we're still kind of at this stage too, where we're, you know, justifying, you know, don't worry, it's not COVID, but I, I I think that's going to take a little bit more for us from a you know a you know a, from a personal standpoint to kind of move away from that.
1: Um, okay, so two years two years into this thing, what are what are the some of the weirder things that you've seen with COVID? Just I don't you know I the the, the latest story that I see, and I don't know if this is this seems strange. I don't know, weird and strange are two different things. Um, that even mild COVID is really affecting people's brains. And I know you're not, you're probably not an expert in that field, but what are some of the things that you've seen that are pretty weird?
2: You know, I've seen so many weird things, that I still kind of come back to that two years ago when there was a huge run on in the grocery because I remember walking into a grocery store to get food and the line wrapped around the whole entire building. And I was like, I, c- I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe that this is actually happening. Or, you know, just to see some of the the downstream side effects of all of this, you know, there's still some moments where you just like, it's like, you know, you just can't, you can't make it up.
1: Um, Yeah, don't, don't forget, Megan, that you, you, the lines were that long, but also there were, there was no toilet paper.
2: Yes, there was. (laughs) There
1: was that too. We we went through a we we got this this, this virus that was going to spread rapidly and keep everyone locked in their basement to, so that they wouldn't get it. And society's uh, answer to that was to buy all the toilet paper. <laughs> Let's not forget it. Um, oh, never forget. Okay, so so you guys at Gunnerson and everywhere in the healthcare industry have been dealing with this two years. I keep bringing that up because it's the two year anniversary, essentially. Um, biggest challenges. What 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 do you got?
2: The rapidly changing information, trying to incorporate that into something to work with, you know, for all of our staff, that was probably one of the biggest challenges because I, especially in the beginning, it was like the information was changing every 30 minutes. And it was really hard to kind of keep up and like put it, you know, put it into practice. And then I'd say now it's starting to unwind all of that. you know because we're all so used to, you know, living the COVID way. It's like, how do we start to unwind and come back, you know, to something that's a little bit more standard or back to normal.
1: Okay. So yeah, that makes sense because the, all of a sudden we have a pandemic and we have to, we have to not go to businesses are closed and like, what is going on with society? And we don't know how to fight this virus. And it came from a bat in China. Right. And like, um, and, and all that information is a lot to take. And then how do we fight it? And that changes, that changes to this day. Right. Everything keeps changing
2: everything does keep changing and, and you know I know how confusing it is for the public like it, it can be equally as you know confusing you know when you know within healthcare when you're trying to figure out how to work with it so it you know we, we feel your pain you know it, it can be really challenging to you know keep up with some of the latest guidance because things do come out so fast
1: well, and part of that rapidly changing information all the time and you're trying to uh, you know, you're trying to adjust in the healthcare industry with how to treat the virus. And also you have to put up with people coming in there, you know, one day it's one thing, the next day it might be, it would be completely the opposite, but it might be something totally different. And and then, you know, people are like, what are you talking about? They probably start to not trust you, even though that this, because this is a new thing that we never understood until, until now, maybe we start to understand that.
2: Right. And it's really hard to, like, we we anticipated this because we you know we know science and science is always changing you know especially not always changing but when when you have a pandemic you're always learning something new right because you start out with not knowing anything and as you learn more you're able to adjust your guidance and that was really what was happening was as we were learning more like we could adjust the guidance it you know it's just how putting that into practice just becomes much more you know challenging because it takes time so. Yeah, that, you know that was probably the hardest part was balancing that.
1: Yeah, changing information and then evolving with that change as in treatment and and you know just everything else. Are we just uh, maybe impatient as a society too? We've never had to go through this thing. Uh, it's it's been two years. We're sick of it, um, but two years might not even be that long when it comes to something like this, right?
2: No, it's not. I mean, the 1918 Spanish flu you know, lasted, I think, at least two years, if not more. So you know, this is, you know, this is pretty much on course for, you know, how, you know, pandemics have played out in the, in the past. So two years is a really short time, even though it feels like a lifetime to us right now. All
1: right. So last thing, should we, I know a lot of mass mandates are getting, well, I, don't, I keep calling them mandates. We don't have mass mandates, but a lot of these things are getting lifted. The, the guidance says, hey, you should be able to go about your day normally. Um, but we could we could normalize right like some of these things that we've been doing to prevent this and and not chastise people for wearing a mask in public and that's all that's all still legit right there's not a the, you can go in public and wear a mask right that's going to help you still right
2: absolutely you know this is this is where I really you know call on to individuals like if you still want to wear a mask like you by all means can still wear a mask you know your you know your health situation a lot better than anyone else and so it's really I think you know, now, just trying to figure out what the risk is, if you, you know, what the risk is to yourself and perhaps to a person that you might be interacting with, let's say, if you know, if they have underlying health conditions or, or might be high risk.
1: Yeah. Does that put a lot of people in that category, the immune compromised people, the high risk people, in, the, in a kind of a tricky spot? Because if we're lifting a lot of these precautions in society, if we go out and about, that these people probably feel a little bit like that it's a little bit more dangerous for them to go out and about, right? Do they, or are are masks so effective that they should be okay?
2: So masks are really effective, but I think it really comes down to making sure that you're vaccinated. Vaccines will really help reduce that risk to those individuals. And so ensuring that you're up to date on your vaccines, making sure that you're boosted. And then also, you know, having those conversations with your doctors, you know, there might be antivirals that are available to you once you get sick. So having those conversations and making sure that you have those other protections too in addition to masking is is really going to be
1: key all right I really want to go see the Batman movie but I'm just not sure about a big crowded theater at this point Megan when we're all no masks and eating popcorn
2: yeah I know there's still things from like oh I want to do this but am i act do i am i ready for this because it's been so long
1: yeah and it's like we're well, all, when we' having those conversations well when does that change is there any like it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to change unless and like the vaccine does does a pretty good job of that, but, um, you know, I, but we have 64% vaccinated. So I don't know. It just seems like it might, like, why would it ever end? So maybe that's why we just got to live with it.
2: And, and I think that, yeah, we have to learn to live with it and figure out when, you know, when we're each ready for it. It's not easy. Behavioral health is one of those conversations that we all talk about, you know, from a public health standpoint, how to change behavior. And this is this is that in practice.
1: I think I'll just wait for it to come out on HBO or something. <laughs> All right. Megan Meller, she's the infection preventionist at Gunderson Health System. I, I kept you a lot longer than I needed, but I had so many questions. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh,
2: you're more than welcome.
1: All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll talk more about this and anything else you want. All right. Welcome back to the Cross Talk PM 608. 785-7914 is the talk text line. Appreciate Megan Miller just joining us from Gunderson to talk about COVID a little bit. Um, now let's. I, I'm bringing on Blake uh, uh, Puck from the Rock. We're going to talk about something happening Saturday. This is the this is the thing that I'm I'm totally into. Two years into a pandemic where I haven't really uh, done not any working out. Puck uh, the point oh one k the point oh one k is 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 it back or is it back at, a, at at its original location? Can you tell us a little bit? Yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> it's back at the original location, if you will. We started uh, about 17 years ago on Pearl Street, and basically um, we were working with the Hunger Task Force and looking for a fun way to help raise some funds and raise some awareness, of course, about the Hunger Task Force. And we came up with, you know, why don't we do a run walk? I'm like, wait a minute, what makes that fun and what makes that <laughs> unique and what makes that different? And it's like, well, let's do the shortest run walk ever. So that's what we came up with and we decided to think it a point zero one K which makes it thirty two point eight feet and for what we like to say now for the last 16 and a half years we were doing it uh, down on Pearl Street because well last year we got um, uh, we had it down uh, in Riverside, Riverside Park yeah. instead mainly uh, just to you know to spread it out a little bit more so we didn't have big crowds so it was easier for people to just come down at their convenience. And and do the run walk as they saw fit without having to be in a you know with a big groups of people. So this year we are back on Pearl Street, um, and we're looking forward to it this Saturday.
1: Yeah, the best thing maybe the two of the better things about this are the what, it, what it's going to so right it's going to help the hunger task force here in the cross. I have Shelly Fortner on all the time. And uh, the other thing is, if it's it's uh, during during St. Patty's Day, or right around. I don't know when St. Patty's Day. Honestly, I'm not a big dr- beer drinker, but uh, the, <laughs> I'm I am all about free t-shirts. the The free shirt that you get with all these five Ks and all these uh, tournament volleyball tournaments I win. Um, this t-shirt is is the best. It's it's a thumbs down. I can run, but I choose not to. Right?
0: Exactly, and that's kind of the point. You know, I mean, this is kind of a it's a run walk. It's tongue in cheek. It's fun. It's all about. You know, goofing off a little bit, and it's also a run walk that anyone can do. It doesn't matter your in shape level, your out of shape level. Um, we actually have uh, Sleepy Hollow, uh, the auto dealership, coming down with a pace car. So we can make sure that everyone, you know, gets stretched out beforehand, and we set the right pace so no one pulls a hammy. Uh, you know, we do all these fun things that basically just uh, gives people a good excuse to get out. It's almost technically sort of spring. It's not exactly going to be super warm on Saturday, but that's okay. We're used to it. We're from Wisconsin and Minnesota and Iowa, and we're used to the cold, so it won't be that bad. And of course, it's just for a great cause. So it's helping out the Hunger Task Force. We have a lot of fun with it, and it's you know it's it's just a really cool thing, and you get a T-shirt. Um, and if um, for people who, who who do like to have a beer around St. Patrick's Day, uh, everybody who's entered will also get a free Guinness over at Brothers after uh, the .01K is complete.
1: Yeah, something that is tradition when you finish a five K or an eight K or a ten K is to get that beer. And now a .01K. Um, what are the, now? Okay, so. This was years ago, about a decade or so ago. There used to be what in lacrosse when I used to do these. I don't do five k's anymore. Uh, it was called, and I can't say the, the the entire name, but it was the Bleep House Five K. If you can imagine what Bleep House, <laughs> and and it, I got a it, I got a brown T shirt, and uh, it was pretty fun, but. D- it, but people would dress up my friend Justin dressed up as an outhouse he literally ran a 5k in an outhouse are anyone is anyone in the past or do you expect anyone to be to be wearing something unusual when they do 30 a 32foot race a 0.01k
0: oh absolutely we have people who go all out uh you know the funny thing is is we have people that take it simple and just walk right through we also have a vast many that try and Garner for position up front so they can be the first through. Uh, we have people that obviously, you know, they come in costumes. I mean, people go all in for it because, one, St. Patrick's Day is kind of fun to begin with. Uh, and then when you do something as silly as this, Um, people really do have a lot of fun. We've had people do it on, you know, like one of those bouncy hippity hops. We've had people that do it on their hands uh, and, you know, walk the 32 feet on their hands. I mean, we've had some pretty elaborate
1: things over the years and looking forward to, you know, a few this year as well. All right, you mentioned a free beer, you get a T-shirt. Uh, it's Saturday from 2 to 4. You just What, are we going down to Pearl Street to, to sign up right around 2 to 4, 1.30 maybe? Yeah,
0: well, on Saturday it will open up on-site registration at 2 o'clock, and the run walk starts at 4 and is over at about 4.01. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> well, technically. You can also get signed up online either on our website, which is 957therock.com, or you can also get registered at radiostuffstore.com.
1: All right. Puck from The Rock. Thanks a lot, man. You bet. All right, yeah, this is the race. This is the the race. It's it's funny to call it. It's a run walk, right? But it's uh, you know, when the five when we do five k's, uh, we 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 literally are racing at some point towards the end of a five k. Whomever you've been bouncing back and forth ahead and behind with, uh, you you tend to want to beat that person. the The most memorable, I did a ten k in Lewiston. They do it around this time every year, and um, I remember this old lady in a pink. She had a pink coat on and she was ahead of me. She was behind me. And I had never done a 10K before. So it was it was about a five-hour run. So it was kind of a, a pretty, pretty tough run for me at that point, although I was doing quite a bit of running. But coming out of spring, coming out of winter, the running is never all that good. But this old lady, and I was and I get to the last stretch, and in Lewiston, you can see the finish line. It's like a couple hundred yards, but it's all it's like down and then up the the main street there. And you can kind of see, and I could see the pink coat. And she was within striking distance. So I put my head down and I just took off for the final stretch. And I passed this lady. And I was writing for the Winona paper at that point. So it was, you know, I'm like, oh, good. I'll have a fun story. I'll talk to this lady. I'll tell her this whole mentality that I had. And so I get up to her and I interview her. I find her right later and I interview her. Well, she was like 79 years old. And she had already run a 5K that that day or the night before if I remember right so I was like wow I really don't feel all that great about myself beating this 79 year old lady who had already run a 5k on top of the 10k that she's running now Uh, but I did beat her so it wasn't like I didn't so I I could I could have I have that I have that at least uh 608-785-7914 anyone else got some funny running stories yeah, my friend Justin definitely did the Bleep House 5K in a in an outhouse. He like a makeshift outhouse. He he would run in. Uh, I don't think he felt all that great afterwards. Uh, but yeah, the the Bleep House 5K was a pretty fun one for me. Um, all right, Mark's calling in. I don't. I, Mark probably doesn't want to talk about uh, running 5Ks, but go ahead, Mark. Uh,
3: Rick, I I ran about five marathons, by the way. So oh, I, really? I do know a little bit about running
1: oh that's awesome but, where have you well, run marathons
3: i've done twin cities i've done duluth i've done the first marathon in rochester minnesota
1: oh cool so, do you know there's a marathon yeah. in antarctica uh no
3: but i've been in i've been tempted to run the chicago marathon so
1: oh no. but let's get back
3: to why i called yeah for um, sure <laughs> i called about i talked about the covid before and one thing you said after I called in is that you said that the COVID came from uh, a lab from China. There's a lot of evidence that says that it came from a lab in China. Uh, number two, I think we should look at all the results from all these mandates and lockdowns that we all went through and compare the states that did the extreme mandates to the ones that didn't, because there's a lot of states, including Florida, that came out of this just as good as the ones that slapped all these mandates on. I'm hoping that out of this whole process, we decide to pass a law that says the governor only has power for 30 days before the full legislature has to vote on it before you're gonna change and impact everybody's life like they did for the last two years. I'd like to see every representative go on the record as to what they're voting for, rather than hiding behind a governor two years like we did. And I called in about a week ago about the oil, and your professor said Canadian oil was the dirtiest oil, and we shouldn't take it from Dakota. But why are we uh, shutting down the natural gas out of Pennsylvania? Why are we shutting down Alaska? That's not the dirty oil. Every time a Democrat gets in office, gasoline prices go up. Remember when Obama was in and he was telling we needed to put more air in our tires? I think everybody's just kind of kind of wake up. Democrats are for high fuel prices because they they all have to support their people that support their campaign. That are all these people that believe in global warming, and they're going to get their way.
1: So the Democrats, so the, Democrats, we, so the Democrats' winning strategy is to make gas really expensive. That's the winning strategy.
3: Well, the winning strategy now is going to be is they're going to blame all the gasoline prices hikes on Russia. When prices of gasoline went up by a dollar before Russia decided to do what it wanted to do, and maybe if we would have decided to start, we haven't built an oil refinery
1: in thirty years. Yeah, thirty years. Yeah, that sucks. But we, we,
3: you know, we can import all the oil from somebody else, and they can take it out of the ground. The other thing is, you go to these other countries; they don't take it out of the ground like we do. They don't have all the rules and regulations. So when you look at China. When you look at all these other countries where dictators are, they're taking it out whatever way they want. So if you take that into the equation, that has to be factored in, too, in this whole global warming process. So, But you have guys like Al Gore and all the rest that just want us to pay high fuel prices, so we stop driving our cars, so we all move into mini-apartments and not build new homes out in the country, is what they would like.
1: Okay, so we don't want any regulations as to how we pull stuff out of the ground, our water I don't, be damned. We
3: have, we, I didn't say that. I don't have a problem with how we pull the oil out of the ground. What I have a problem with is we can do a cleaner job than what they're doing in other countries. And we, we, when we're doing this whole debate, we don't, we don't bring that up. We don't bring up that we have more regulations than anybody else. When you talk to dairy farmers and they're com- they're complaining about dairy products that are coming into this country... Their main complaint is they have all these regulations to make the milk come in as a Class A, all
1: right, mil- and then Mark, we
3: let these hold- other products come in from other countries without regulation.
1: All right, Mark, I gotta, I gotta let you go. I appreciate the call. It's a, it's a ton to get into, um, and then, and then we can't get into farming as well. That'll, that'll kill me. All right, I gotta take one more break. We'll be back. All right, that's all the time I have today for today. Appreciate Megan Mellor coming on and talking about COVID a little bit and Puck from the rock coming on. Tell us about the 0.01 K, which happens Saturday, go to radio stuff Sign up for that. This, the t-shirt, if nothing else, go to radio stuff store and check out the t-shirt. It's pretty awesome. And um, yeah, if you want to sign up just 0.01 K lacrosse, that's as easy as it gets to to finding out how to sign up.